Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, we are recording a little earlier than normal because you're actually going to go out and kind of sort of have a life. Like, like I'm going I'm to go see Endgame, which is <laughs> I'm sure hilarious because I've seen like two of those movies. And which two have you seen thus far? Uh, I saw Black Panther and I like Black Panther. That was a good one. That was a good one. I Did you see Infinity saw War? parts of Infinity War. I fell asleep in both Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok? Is that what it's called? How did you fall asleep in Ragnarok? That was, like, legit funny. Jeannie, my girlfriend, was asked the same thing all of the time. Um, so, yeah, I might actually get a nap in today uh, at Endgame, which <laughs> it's a, it's I'm sure a long I will one. deeply offend several people with that. But I hope I like it. And, uh, but I don't expect to get most of it because I didn't you know, follow along for most of it. I'm, I'm expecting full breakdowns, you know. Like, okay, oh, you, so like a, a end game film room type thing? Yeah, exactly, type exactly. Like, you know, what they did here, they could have they could have pinned down this bad guy so that they could go and address the weak side of this battle over right. here. fighting tactics. I could do that with Game of Thrones, too, right, with that. Uh, <laughs> oh, the man. Or felt their defensive Thrones. tactics. All right, all right. 30-second tangent on, th- on Thrones here. And by the way, okay. we're going to talk today about lessons that we can apply uh from the luke era to the coaches that the lakers seem to be considering right now and uh we're also going to talk about the the lessons that we've learned from the nba playoffs as as they stand right so we i promise we're going to get to basketball uh but on days like this i kind of like to wander around so if you haven't watched game of thrones yet if you aren't up to date just fast forward about like three minutes or so uh and and i'm going to set the clock right now for three minutes i just want to spoilers uh, just jump ahead for for just a little bit but i want to talk about thrones pete why was it so dark so i loved the lighting i know a lot of people were upset about it i thought that the purpose of it was to show the fog of war the chaotic i can't see crap uh and there's blood and bodies and dirt and mm-hmm. darkness and you know a winter whatever cold front whatever the heck mm-hmm. that you know ice wall was or whatever that came toward them i think it was you know deliberate and i actually really enjoyed it i also can get my living room pretty dark so i would imagine that if it was if i couldn't do that and you know i had to watch it where there were lights all around that would have kind of pissed me off because i couldn't see anything but i enjoyed it although i definitely understand why other people didn't i wound up having to recalibrate the tv and and it wound up being okay i was able to see okay right okay but my thing was like there was the 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 guy who directed it or 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 did most of the filming in that episode came out and said like it's not my fault these people don't know how to to calibrate their TV and I'm, like could you imagine a cook at a five star <laughs> restaurant coming out and being like I, I ordered a steak sir you gave me a raw chicken like it's not my imagination that's at fault here bud <laughs> you know like anywho uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about you, you we mentioned the tactics of it right the tactics legit annoyed me okay they so? just sacrificed 50,000 or 10,000 Dothraki they're just like oh hey cool your things light up charge that way towards like an area where you're completely out man it makes no sense whatsoever that you would do that one of the only advantages that the, that these guys might have is that the opposing force is just going to charge blindly into whatever is in front of them right so mm-hmm. like there were there was like three booby traps total 
mm-hmm. out in the field. I just I, I I was watching that and and like it made for a good visual and it set the moment right, you know, artistically. But just sitting there like these are the some of the baddest warriors in the world and you're just gonna yeah, go 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 die. That's fun. Well, I mean, you know, they're at their best when they're charging in an open field. Much has been made of that throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Flank I'm not gonna. I'm not. I, I don't have a great game plan on how to beat death in a <laughs> in a, a battle. So I'm not hey, gonna we, go. Right hey. now, you and I are undefeated against death, dude. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're taking a new W every day. <laughs> Just that one L though that uh, knocks you out of the out of the bracket. You know, it's single elimination tournament. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I enjoyed it for the most part, but the 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 tactics of the battle annoyed me. Like they ran so far that they were barely able to use any of the artillery. Like, what do we? What do you? Come on, guys! <laughs> come on! And and as a procrastinator, like they waited till midnight the night before to put together their their tactics for this. Like, of course that didn't work out. Yeah, and you know, got drunk the night before. God. Right? Uh, <laughs> well, I can't. Always judge. a good way to go into. But yeah, I, I right. can't judge. <laughs> I don't think you had to battle any whites today, though, Anthony. No. Well, my mentions would disagree. Ah. I, I've, I've talked some crap on the jazz, so. <laughs> Has it been three minutes yet? <laughs> all right. So we're, we'll, we'll go back to, all right. So welcome back to the show, everybody. We are now going to talk about the Lakers. Uh, I'm just going to set this up as as what it is that we're going to talk about. Right now. And nothing has really changed, it doesn't seem. Though it looks like Monty Williams is getting ready to take his second interview with the Phoenix Suns. You could take that to be notable if you want. I I don't really think I am right now. Some people might say he wouldn't be taking his second interview with the Suns if he got a great vibe from the Lakers, right? But I just think it's due diligence on his part. They're already out there. Yeah, there's no no harm in it. Yeah. Uh, But... So it seems right now it's going to be it's still between Teron Liu, Monty Williams, and Juwan Howard, and I think there was plenty that we could have learned from the Lakers standpoint of this how the how the Lakers handled Luke Walton, uh, and and there are aspects of that that you can now carry over in different ways to these three somewhat different, fairly different actually uh, candidates. So what we're going to do we're gonna we're gonna step out for a second. I'm going to go and 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 regain my composure uh having having criticized the coaching of the Game of Thrones. And when we come back though, we'll start with Teron Liu. He seems like the likeliest candidate at this point. Um and and we'll see what we can learn from Luke Walton in respect with Teron with Teron Liu and then with Monty Williams and then again with Teron Howard. Today's show is brought to you by Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It has 1080p full HD. It has images so clear you won't miss a thing. Also has night vision and two-way audio. Wise's mission is to bring amazing smart home products and make them accessible to everyone. Check on your home anytime with Wise's app's live stream. Connect with live as, as it unfolds in sharp focus. Focus. Uh, live stream with eight times digital zoom. Personally speaking, I have little Avery on the way. She's going to be sleeping there in her crib, and I want to be able to see her if it's light, if it's dark. We just got her some blackout shades, so chances are it's going to be dark more often than not. And I'm really looking forward to getting her set up all over the house, by the way. Uh, at this kind of price, you can set up cameras anywhere that you see fit and, and be able to monitor whatever you see uh, as a, whatever you deem hugely 
valuable, Wise is the way to go. So go to Wise.com, that's W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked to take advantage of this exclusive offer. That's W-Y-Z-E.com slash locked. So let's start here with Teron Lou. What do you think Lou and Walton have in common? We'll start there. Well, they're former Lakers who wore the number four. Wow. Yeah. Um, they are, you know, end of bench type of players throughout much of their career. Luke had a little stretch of, of starting. Um, I think that they were both kind of coach on the floor type of guys as players mm-hmm. in terms of from a coaching perspective. I think they're pretty different. The one thing I think, you know, Lou is well regarded for his ability to handle people. I think we saw some of the holes in Luke's ability to do that. I think that if you put Luke with a young team that he's in a good spot. Um, I didn't think that he managed what was admittedly a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that all of that failure is on him, but I think that his inability to kind of keep the the veterans and the one year guys and that's tough in normal circumstances, but he, I don't think he did a great job with them. Whereas I think Lou has a, a better, you know, grasp of that but with Lou we don't have any gauge of how well could he or would he develop young players and if we do sign another big free agent this summer how much of that even matters like how much of that is uh well let me rephrase that how much of that is focused on I would argue it matters regardless of who they bring in uh to keep you know a healthy environment for the young guys to be able to blossom and flourish so that they can be your third, fourth, fifth best players when the time comes in a playoff type of setting. But we don't, and we don't know if, if Lou's capable of doing that. Byron Scott also wore number four. He did actually Lou was Lou number four. Now that I think of it, I think I'm mixing up. Yeah, it was Byron and, and Walton. I don't think Lou was – I think Lou was zero, actually, now that I think, I think of it. So too. Or maybe 10. He might have been 10. I'll look yeah. it up. I'm terrible with the, the – uh, I was just thinking, like, all right, what, what we need to do next is start looking at who's wearing number four for the current Lakers, and they're going to be the next head coach. I'm looking this up now. I'm sure someone is uh, yelling uh, at their at – their, <laughs> But so their, I want to I wanna go back to uh, – is there anything that the Lakers can do organizationally to position Lou better for dealing with young guys and, and veterans? Because even on that team with Cleveland, they they didn't really have any young contributors, right? Right. Uh, Kyrie was technically the youngest, but he was so talented that, you know, he wasn't your typical young player who needs to who needs to help as a role player, right? He was a star. Um, and and that be, that makes it a lot easier to to manage egos there because the other guys on the team say, well, that guy's a star. He's therefore he's not your typical young guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that the Lakers can do? Is it is it is it surrounding them with with more malleable veterans, uh, uh, more predictable veterans? Uh, is there anything that the Lakers can do to help Lou deal with something that he really hasn't dealt with to this point? The best thing the Lakers can do is whatever, however they come out of this offseason, and that could include trading some young guys, is to commit to it. The Lakers have been a transient franchise for the last six years or so, just punting cap space one year after another. And whatever they do, they need to commit to it. They need to start building a team. And that's the best thing that they could do for the young guys, for Ty Lu. One of the things about Magic leaving, and even if we, as it almost certainly looks like will be, even if Plink is the guy in charge, 
Last year you had Magic, obviously in a battle against Palinka, even if Magic didn't know it till toward the end, right? <laughs> yeah, right? They were not on the same page. And same thing was true with Luke, right? Those are your three main leaders on the basketball side of an organization. And when all three are at odds with each other, that's problematic. I want there to be a situation where the whomever works with Palinka is on Palinka's side, right? I've said what I've had to say about yeah. Palinka, but if he's going to be the guy, he needs a guy that's that's loyal to him, that's going to work for him. He needs a coach where like all three are in lockstep because I think that when you have that in an organization, everybody's rowing in the same direction as opposed to rowing in opposite directions and not really getting anywhere. So mm-hmm. just that commitment to stability, I think, would go a long way. What do you, what do you think on that front? No, I, I agree completely. Uh, uh, and and the one thing that I think, you know, it's kind of a bummer that he has to sell this aspect of it. You know, th- th- he needs to downplay to a certain extent uh, or the reports have said that he needed he felt the need to downplay him being a, a quote unquote LeBron guy. Right. Uh, I-, I think the fact that he already has LeBron's respect in this regard makes him. It's one of those things that you're worried about heading into hitting into the situation, but then once you get into the situation, when you're actually into the thick of things, Palinka will realize and the Lakers will realize, actually, no, it was smart to go with the guy who already has LeBron's respect because that's just one fewer thing that we have to worry about allegiances-wise. What do you think about the whole idea of the Lakers maybe not wanting to hire Ty Lue with his, the perception that LeBron is running the franchise being the main motivating factor for them not wanting to hire him? I think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I do too. No, I, I think so. I wrote, I wrote the other yesterday. I wrote in uh, for, for Silver Screen and Roll about this uh, this idealism getting in the way of success. Right? We talked at the beginning of the show about Game of Thrones, and one of the central themes, in my opinion, is that you know, it's in Game of Thrones, success is just surviving. Right. Success mm-hmm. is just not just surviving, but having your family around you while you survive and, 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 and carrying as much of that strength forward with you as much as you can. And it's been the characters who who considered surviving not quite enough. It wasn't enough for for Ned to just continue to survive. He decided it was time, you know, his principles were so important that he needed to risk his own life and, and you know. We saw how that ended, right? Yes. Um, and 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 these, the, you know, obviously it's good to have principles, but putting those principles before success and and prioritizing those principles above success in the way that the Lakers appear to here, I, I just that identity is if they want their identity to be Lakers and Lakers only, that's fine. But you're also risking your identity becoming just a bunch of losers, right? right. You lose often enough, that, that's going to be your identity. That's going to be the identity of, yeah, Lakers and Lakers only if, if that <laughs> continues for, for too long. I mean, thankfully, there is a, an extraordinarily strong brand. The TV ratings came out, and the Lakers, I think, quadrupled the Clippers this year, yeah. despite you know all of the the nonsense that went on this season. And um I, I tend to agree that, that, that that's silly. I don't even think it's a principle, really, that like we yeah. don't want to be perceived. It's more like I'm afraid of how it looks to the outside. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Jeannie is still the person in charge. Mm-hmm. And if Ty Lue is not acceptable, she can let him go. And that's true of, of anybody else. But for my concern, so for one, I think that I think that Monty is the favorite, um, although I don't think that's been decided yet. Mm-hmm. But. I it would be another place where they did not make a decision based on who the best basketball person was. Um, And maybe, you know, 
I, I'm I'm gonna have a Monty Williams video out in the next day or two, and he's got. Um, it's difficult to evaluate because he last coached five years ago. The yeah. league's changed so much in those five years that it's it's really remarkable. And it's easy to see like how he could modernize. He was like an okay offensive coach. He started in Chris Paul's last year. They were in a rebuilding stage. And by the time he left his last season, they made the playoffs again mm-hmm. with a 45-win Pelicans team. Um, so – you know, maybe you could make the argument that Monty Williams is the better basketball guy. Uh, I, I would just argue, though, based off of the tape, at least, that if you've got a guy who's in lockstep with your with your main player and is the better X's and O's guy, to me, that's a it's an easy decision. Yeah, I I just think you know, let's the idea of caring about who gets the credit before you do anything that deserves credit that earns right. credit is is not the right way to go here. Yeah, credit turns to blame if you don't get it right. right. So, right. yeah, yeah, that's there's two sides to that coin. And I look, if they hire Monty, I'll give him a chance. It's not something where yeah. I'm like this is the worst thing, you know, like I'll be fine with it. I I kind of see him as another Luke Walton, um although I think he'd probably do a better job of garnering the respect of the veterans. Mm-hmm. Um but he he's at least worth being given a chance. He's coached with with the Spurs, with Team USA, with Philly, you know, in the in the interim so so you know he could he could improve in the areas where I'm concerned. I want to uh, I want to really quickly then we'll we'll lay the foundation for for lessons that we can bring over from Luke to Mani, right? Okay. I think it is a very similar situation there, right? Because Mani, all right. So Mani, the difference here would be that Polinka is the guy who chose Mani, and now will have capital invested inherently in Mani's success, right? So he'll be pulling for Monty in ways that he wasn't necessarily pulling for Luke. Not to mm-hmm. say that – maybe I could phrase it better. Not to say that Polinka was you know, rooting against Luke or anything like that. But, but it's just if he's the one who selects this guy, he's mm-hmm. going to be rooting for him in ways that he, he, he may not have been willing to put himself out there for somebody he didn't choose. This coach is going to be more tied to Rob Polinka than Luke Walton was. Yeah. Uh, so I think that in and of itself will put Monty in a better situation than Walton. Where it's similar, though, is that at the end of the day, to me, what matters more is is what what will the basketball impact be? Like, will will Rob Palenka's willing to willingness to go to bat for Monty Williams affect the basketball in the same way that? LeBron James be willing to go be his willingness to go to bat for Teron Lu would it would impact the basketball you know yeah and and in that respect I think this is where the Lakers have to organizationally make up for LeBron not seeing Monty as his guy in the same way that he would have seen Teron Lu and handle it better than they did when LeBron didn't consider Luke his guy previously yeah, it would be unfortunate to just repeat that same mistake. Like yeah. if like if it's Monty, it's important that that LeBron's on board with it. Even if he's not LeBron's first choice, yeah. he needs to be somebody that LeBron's like, "Okay, cool. Let's let's ride ride with him even if yeah. he's not my my number one guy." I would have liked to seen LeBron in one of these interviews. I think his absence is intentional. You know, like I think he's he's smart. (laughs) And even when we had Sedano on last week, you know, like that was one of the main things that that George said from his experience in covering him is part of what LeBron does is that you're not going to be able to pin something on LeBron directly. Right. Like and, and this 
radio silence to some degree is an example of that. Yeah. Uh, and even that's relative silence, right? Did you see right. his tweets yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he has uh, James Bond playing for the uh, Portland Trailblazers? Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> speculating some wine was involved in some of his <laughs> tweets last night, but that is unconfirmed. I just want to know how much wine it takes to get LeBron drunk. Yeah, that's a big dude. <laughs> that's a lot of wine. Um, and he's a he's an experienced wine drinker at this point. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. Wine le- uh, LeBron, let's have some wine. Let's yes. take a quick second here and when we come back, we're going to talk about Jawan Howard who is similar in, in even different ways to Luke Walton than the other two coaches. And, and and I think there are still lessons that the Lakers can carry over from the failures that they had, the failings that they had with Luke to Jawan Howard if he winds up being the guy. God, I just love the idea of LeBron looking at Tory Craig and saying, Daniel! <laughs> That's <laughs> so good. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's start here. I, I think, obviously, now I actually have them switched. I have a little bit of faith left in the Lakers to think that they will go that that Teron Liu is the leader in the clubhouse right now. Okay, just, just a little bit. Okay, I think I think the report that he was willing to try to get Tibbs on the staff as like an assistant head coach kind of thing that. That to me is like if you're if you're interviewing for a job like head coach, you have to bring tangible evidence that you are the guy, that you make the most sense here, right? That's a tangible move that he was willing to 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 put his name on and or or that that his camp or somebody was willing to leak that they were willing to go there. Yeah. I think that speaks well for for his chances. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And the fact that, you know, Shams and Woj, who's, you know, Palenka's mouthpiece in a lot of ways, um, that they are going out there and saying positive things about Lou's, yeah. you know, interview and all of that. I do think that that's and, and when I say that, I think that Monty Williams is the leader yeah. in clubhouse. I'm, that's a that's a guess on my part. That's not particularly well sourced or anything. That's just my my feel of it. So I would love to be wrong. And I could see, you know, how you, you would feel feel otherwise on that. It's more of a faith thing. <laughs> like it's, it's a hope. Like just <laughs> you of all people having faith in the Lakers. It's uh, there is hope. a Santa Claus. I'm, I'm uh, you've restored <laughs> my faith in magical things. I got to see my daughter sucking your thumb the other day. Like uh, some of my go. faith in humanity was restored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to Papa Anthony. See what that, what that dude's like. <laughs> he still has got time to say stupid shit on Twitter to intentionally piece people off. Avery, this is how you piss off Uncle Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so I go change her diaper, man. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go here, though. So I, I think I don't think it's it's a, a marked difference in in one way or the other in terms of how far ahead Monty might be than Lou or Lou might be than Monty. I think it they kind okay. of they're, they're I think they're neck and neck either way. Okay. Juwan Howard, I think, has a little bit of a gap to make up. Uh, for obvious reasons, he's a rookie coach yeah. and all of those things. I'd be very surprised if it was ultimately Jawan Howard. Yeah, uh, but I do think though, if they do go this route, they have to learn from the way that they handled Luke. Can I? So, putting aside the you know that I don't love the people that are conducting it, I like how they've conducted this coaching search. Yeah, all in all, they've hired, they've interviewed people twice by 
accounts, which whether they're true or not, the Lakers getting this out in the media and being friendly, like Polinka having a relationship with Woj and Woj not killing them for everything, everything. The Lakers for everything. There's there's a win in that. There's a pot like controlling media narrative is part of the job, and so them saying that you know the Lakers were prepared that the candidates were impressed with the Lakers as well even if it's all BS to you know everybody wants the job and and they're trying to do that but them that along with them interviewing people twice interviewing multiple people taking their time not just you know excitedly throwing an offer at Mm -hmm. somebody I'm happy with how they've conducted it even if it's not perfect it's like 90 percent of what I would have wanted in a coaching search are you you're very you know process oriented mm-hmm. guy how, how do you feel about that how they've done this so i would i would envision this to like a race that you started running with your shoes untied you know okay so you you start you start running this race or, or like you you start running this race and, and maybe you didn't you didn't properly hydrate yourself or you didn't stretch fully right that there are still going to be implications from the starting point of this race, but mm-hmm. it, it's still possible over the course of a marathon to make up, you know, for some of those mistakes. Just like in a basketball game, too, right? Like you could, you could maybe not have done enough to scout the the team that you're getting ready to play, but mm-hmm. if you have enough resources, if you go about and and you make the best of the of the flawed process that you started with, then then there can still be positive results i think and in all fairness part of what made the shoes untied was magic quitting unexpectedly Uh which is not something that they necessarily had control over yeah well i mean i mean more from you know their their shoes being untied from having palinka be the guy in the first place oh okay without without you know because we still haven't gotten an announcement about who is going to be in what role in the front office right like we have to point that out um but with that as the disclaimer, and it's a giant one. There's a huge blinking line behind light behind us saying this might not work out because of the starting point. It, given everything that that the Lakers have given themselves to work with, this has gone as well as we can hope for. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I would agree there. But when it, when it comes to Juwan Howard and and learning from from Luke Walton. I think the Lakers have to step away from the hands-off approach that they've had developmentally, not just with Luke, but with the players in general, right? They have to be, whoever is making these decisions has to be a little bit more willing to get their hands dirty a little bit and say, all right, Juwan, well, how open are you to, if you're a defensive guru, having... Uh, an offensive guy, I, Chris Finch comes to mind, right? Or, or, you know, some other some other offensive mind to step in and work with you here. How open are you to dealing with our analytics department? How open mm-hmm. are you to dealing with, you know, walk, walking us through your the rest of your coaching staff? All of these things that they allowed and they let Luke do on his own, yeah. um, to his own detriment. I think mm-hmm. they they need to not do that, not repeat that same mistake here with Juwan. If that if he is indeed the guy, which I don't, with I you know you and I don't think he's going to be. And honestly, I would say the same is true as Mon- with Monty. Monty needs yeah. a great offensive you know guy next to him That's as fair. well, and and he needs a strong staff overall. And and he's somebody that could probably draw from that because he's been a part of strong 
strong coaching staffs with Team USA. I actually like Philly's coaching probably a little more than most. And then, you know, he's has experience with the Spurs. He knows guys who have yeah. been in quality organizations. And, um, you know, he'd have to bring that along with him as, as well as Jawan Howard. Yeah. I the one thing I really do like about Monty is that he's while he hasn't been a head coach in 5 years, he's been associated with the NBA. Yeah, he hasn't been out of the out of yeah. the game. Um all right. So let's uh I I think I think you and I are in agreement for the most part that Lou is our preferred guy. The world wouldn't end if it was Monty. Mm-hmm. The highest risk choice here is is Jawan and and I just don't think the Lakers have the capital right now. Whether it's with the fan base, <laughs> whether it's with the amount of time that they have left in the LeBron era, they don't have the capital right now to be able to to go with Jawan Howard. Yeah, he's the only one that you know. You make that call, and it's all it's borderline indefensible after the fact. At least with Monty, at least with the, with Teron Liu, there's a defense to be made there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm less down on the prospect of what Jawan Howard can be, mm-hmm. but I certainly understand your perspective on that. And Sedano kind of echoed that as well. Like that's one of those moves that if you make it, you better be right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's segue really quickly here. We'll finish up on, on two things. This is a really quick question. I had this from, from the uh, mailbag yesterday. Somebody asked, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting your name. Somebody asked if, if the Lakers were in the playoffs, would magic have still resigned? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I would say not, though. I think that if there were credit to be had, you know, usually when things go well, people want to yeah. stick around and get their their share of the credit yeah. for it. Uh, I also think that if, you know, Lakers were on the right side of the bracket and people were healthy, you've got LeBron James, you know, it could have made some noise. So I, 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 I would say no. What do you think? Oh, I, I, I was pretty confident in thinking no. Uh, it's now for, for both of us, you know, you and I do a lot of that specuporting thing, right? That it's the, it's the, it's the, you know, here's our thoughts on this. We have a little bit of background information and, and it's a, it's at least an educated guess with this one. It's, it's still, it's, this one is more speculation here with, with yes. magic. Absolutely. Yeah. I have no insight on, th- on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but just given what we know from the outside looking in at magic he was not going to pass up on the opportunity to give interviews during playoff games. That was not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I, I would agree. Yeah. We're in a better position either way. Like even with, with magic leaving, I think this, the franchise is in a, a healthier place. Yeah. The title of this podcast is Pete says the Lakers are in a better spot because they didn't make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> let's finish on this though. We'll talk about the playoffs. Uh, you made the interesting point to me before we went live uh, about about Jimmy Butler and Kemba Walker and your your opinion on this kind of switching over thanks to what you've seen in the playoffs thus far. Yeah, we we had a pot about this a few weeks back where we debated, you know, if the Lakers don't get one of the primary guys, do you want Jimmy or Kemba? And I, by a small margin, but I, I picked Kemba on that. And then the playoffs have been a nice reminder of... Like the playoffs are where you find out what's true and what's not, what's real and what isn't. Even if it's like young players like like D'Angelo Russell and Donovan Mitchell really struggling, that doesn't mean they're going to be awful forever. But they ain't there yet, mm-hmm. and uh, and it reveals other truths. The we knew this before, but seeing it kind of 
puts it on the forefront of my mind is that if we are to sign a, another max free agent, we are trying to be in the playoffs and we're trying to win an NBA title and the game changes a little bit in the playoffs. There's a lot more switching. The pace is slower. Um, scoring has been a bit depressed and you need guys that are able to hit tough shots and the the guys who have historically thrived in those situations are bigger wings. This is, I mean, we knew this when we had that podcast a few weeks ago, but seeing it with my own two eyes, like I know Jimmy Butler is good in the playoffs and that he can thrive. And I will, that's more bankable to me than hoping that Kemba can do the same and not be a real problem on the defensive end. So I, I would, especially with LeBron being a little bit older and probably the first two years of Butler's contract being more important than the last mm-hmm. two in terms of the Lakers ability to be a championship contender. I, you know, all of those factors considered, I, I, I've changed my mind to Jimmy on that. My one, my one, I guess, counter to that is that every time we've seen Kemba in the playoffs, it's been on a crappy team. Oh, totally. Kemba, Awful Kemba teams. Be, <laughs> it's the same thing with Palenka, though, right? Like, yeah. Palenka may end up being very competent. He yeah. certainly won a political battle and ended up on top when I didn't think he'd be able to do that. And so maybe Palenka is really good, but why not get a guy that you know is good, yeah. right? Like why not get your Bob Myers, Masai Ujiri? Like we know those guys are good. That doesn't mean that Palenka is going to be terrible at this job. Same thing could be kind of applied to Kemba Walker. It doesn't mean Kemba would be bad, but I know that Jimmy Butler can do this. Yeah. The the big lesson that I've learned so far in the playoffs, and I wanted to run this by you, is the Lakers can't build their identity like I think this is something Luke is going to run into, run into trouble with moving forward in his career. The Lakers can't build their identity off of their defense. I mm. think you you have to be you you have to your success has to be derived off of your offensive potent, potency in the NBA nowadays. I uh, I you might not be wrong, but I disagree. My instincts are disagreeing in that. Like, I think the Lakers natural talent and like, say they get a Jimmy Butler or Kawhi, right? Those are the two guys that stick out to me, bro. The defensive capabilities of Lonzo and Ingram and one of those guys. And you know, you you can really have that be a foundational piece while having two guys or, or three. I would actually, one of the things that I've stood out to me about these playoffs is I think Ingram's game translates pretty well because he is able to hit harder shots mm-hmm. than a lot of guys are because, and that's a lot of times what's available in the playoffs because mm-hmm. defense is more locked in on what you do. So to me, like having a great defensive team and then having guys that can create a shot on their own big wings that can do it. And it's hard to stop. I actually like that as the potential identity, but you don't think you, you don't think you can base that off of your defense in today's NBA? I just think these offenses are so potent. You're going up against, you know, just some of the best offenses that the league has ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. And and one of the, you know, it's, it's funny, you have uh, narratives fighting against each other, but you have, it's, you know, you think defense wins championships, but in basketball, good offense beats good defense, right? And and so in in basketball you have these these teams that you, you just can't afford. One of the things that really worried me about OKC was they would go through these scoring droughts uh of of insane length and you just can't afford that. You could maybe afford it in the East. I think in the East the the Lakers would be set up pretty decently to to derive their identity off of their defense and maybe take on some of those weaker teams in the east and have a little bit more success but in the west 
when you're when you're going up against offenses that have Steph, that have Harden, that have now Jokic is is freaking beasting for for Denver, right? Mm-hmm. Dame with Portland. I just think you need to you need to be able to you just can't afford to have those lapses in in offensive uh, production and these teams that derive their identity off of their defense tend to have those lapses and and they pay right. dearly for them. I think that great individual players beat great defense. I don't think that a lot of what we see in the playoffs in terms of a great offense beating great defense is a result of some cleverly drawn up play in which you exploit a weakness of the team. But like, you know, like the ability to give the ball to Kevin Durant and he is going to score and you have to double team him in, you know, if you don't want him to score, you have to put two, at least two guys on him. And then that creates an open shot for somebody else. That's more like a, a matter of his individual brilliance. And so like the idea for me, the Lakers template is to have like, we already got one of those guys in LeBron and there aren't many of those guys in the, mm-hmm. in the game. We've already got one of them. If we can get a second guy, uh, even, even a Jimmy Butler, he's not a Kawhi or LeBron level player, but he is a guy who can score against tough, tight def- playoff defense. His individual brilliance can overcome that. The idea of that, having two of those type of guys along with a great defense to me that's the likeliest path to the lakers being able to get to that point yeah and that's that's fair those are we're making two different points here okay right i i think your your point is given what the lakers have right now this is the most likely way that they can make it work out right Mm -hmm. whereas i'm saying more just in general I think you need to be a better offensive team than a defensive team in in today's NBA. And and my one I guess my one minor counter to to the point you're making about great players overcoming great defense is it's a lot easier for those it's a lot easier for Kevin Durant to overcome great defense because that great defense also has to account for Clay, also has to account for Steph, sure. right? Um the Lakers don't if they if they do go this route, if they do go with like a Jimmy Butler, um, and and they do go, they they try to build their identity in the way that you're talking about right now. They have to get specialists that force these defenses to to have to adjust or or give up one thing or the other, because like what and and Lonzo needs to improve on his shot, and Ingram has to to be a more willing catch and shoot player. As yeah. Well. Yeah, no, that's something that they have. Like everybody that they bring in, especially if if you consider Lonzo and Ingram to be part of a core, assuming they're not traded for a, a, a star, everybody else has to be able to shoot the three ball. Like mm-hmm. I would argue, even the five, even the, yeah. their center, they need a, a stretch five, somebody who can you know defend the rim on one end and hit threes on the other. And there aren't a ton of guys like that, but I think they need someone like that. Yeah, let's bring back Julius. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Lakers podcast. As I said, and as I warned you guys a little bit, we, we wandered a little on this one, uh, and, and they tend to be fun to me. I have ADD as it is, so I like to just kind of wander around topics. Uh, if you guys have any questions specifically for Pete and me, keep those coming, and we will get to them. We'll even we'll, we'll probably get to a point this offseason where we devote full episodes to, to uh, you and my own mailbag. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. uh, we have a few announcements coming on the way as well, but I'm not going to give those away because I don't want to jinx them. Uh, but for now, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Or I'll talk to you tomorrow. Pete, good luck at Avengers. Thanks, man. I, I can't have a good nap. <laughs>